Hey y'all, this is your host, Crystal Johnson, and welcome to the Read My Lipstick podcast. Each Thursday, we highlight authentic and relatable stories from phenomenal women of color, delivering powerful bite-sized content guaranteed to inspire you on the next step of your journey. Have you ever heard someone speak and thought to yourself, they get it? That's exactly what I thought from the moment I heard our next guest story at a Women's History Month event hosted by the KPOR Center in Oakland, California. Her presence enamored me and the rest of the room. I was over the moon to learn that we're both passionate about creating more diverse and inclusive work environments where all employees have an opportunity to be extraordinary. So welcome to the show, Dominique. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I get this question at least once a day, and I want to flip it back on you. What was your path to your current role, and would you do anything differently? That's an excellent question. So my current role is that I do seller diversity at eBay, where I work to bridge the gap between underserved communities and the eBay economic opportunity. And I stumbled into this role on accident because I was a data and business analyst. I worked with a lot of uh, data, but I also was the only person of color on my team, which is fairly large. At the same time, there was this environment of DNI, and the discussion was happening around me that I was not engaged in because I was focused simply on doing my job. I quickly learned that there are many folks that look like me from an intersectional standpoint. So I'm Black, I'm a woman, and I'm queer. And we were struggling with some of those challenges. And so I became a DNI advocate in addition to my core role. Would I do anything differently? No, because I understood the business so well that it gave me the opportunity to do things I was passionate about, which became DNI. Fast forward a little later, an opportunity opened where I could merge my DNI passion with my understanding of the business. And now I do both together. So it is literally a job of my dreams. So you said something that I thought was really important that I think a lot of people, they know they need to do it, but then again, they kind of fight against it. And that's actually understanding the business and understanding the data behind the things that you want to do. I think most people realize that diversity and inclusion is good for business. It's the right thing to do. Like they have the, all these anecdotal stories about why it's good. Um, but a lot of times people don't take the time to look at the data because they're like, well, businesses know that it's the right thing to do. Why do they need data to support it? So I think it's really what you said was really important because I think that's a piece that a lot of folks miss when they want to go into DNI work. I absolutely agree. What I've found is that I've been able to connect with other external organizations and then also people within the organization that I may not have ever met because those people are key stakeholders in the work that I do. So what other doors has this work opened up for you? 
Well, I mean, I think what you said is exactly true. I was not looking for opportunities. I wasn't looking for any doors to open. It happened organically by way of proving myself to be a problem solver. So one thing I want to reiterate and strongly emphasize for your listeners is that I don't care if it's tech, education, the political arena, whatever that is, you have to be proficient at your role. And then once people can trust that you know what you're talking about for the job you were hired for, then they're open to listening to you in other categories. Now, as a Black queer woman, I already have several strikes against me where they won't listen. So I have to be proficient so that they trust me. It's almost like the badge of honor. They say twice as hard for half as much. It's very true. At the same time, community members started to reach out to me because they saw I had access to two worlds. There's corporate America with the people in the room that control the decisions. That's where I like to be. And then there's the communities where I grew up, where I look at them and they look like me. And so I felt that on the shoulders of my ancestors, I needed to now stand up and step up to the plate um, and have the conversation internally with my corporate peers who may not always understand um, and need a little help. And then I became an advocate to my community members and I worked to bridge the gap. So doors and windows and chimneys <laughs> and things I didn't expect have opened up for me, but it's because it's not about me. It is about a bigger purpose. And I think that's what's happening. I am a vessel and a channel and I just do my part. Yes, I'm so blessed to have you as a thought partner in this space. So, so excited that we connected at that event and that now we're connected for life. We're friends, girl. Yes, it is. It's official. (laughs) It is official. So if someone is exploring a career in this space, what are some of the red flags you would tell them to watch out for? That's actually an incredible question. One thing that I would say, and and this might, might, might not be the best answer, but it's one that I'm super hypersensitive about. Do not allow yourself to be a token because there are so many companies. Let me take a step back. The tech industry is still very young. The industry as a whole is figuring out who and what it is relative to financial services that's been around, education, government, all these other industries that kind of have figured it out. However, because tech is focused on growth, acceleration, speed, DMI does not work that way. So as they are looking in many ways to, I'm using my quote fingers, check the box, make sure that you are not the check in the box. Mm -hmm. Do not allow yourself to be tokenized. Look at the overall strategy. Are they calling you for a conference, but they don't call you for anything else? Are you the stand-in for somebody else? Is the topic appropriate? You have to be the thought leader. Otherwise, you are fulfilling an initiative and an agenda by a group of folks who still don't understand the complexity of what we are doing. So red flag number one, look at the scope of the objective of the team that is engaging you. If it looks like they are not fully invested and that they're trying to check the box, abort mission because nothing you will do will be successful in that arena. Another thing to um, watch out for red flags, 
not all the members of our community are going to be nice to us. So if you find someone badgering you and giving you a hard time, know that they are frustrated. And unfortunately, they don't know how to articulate that because they are frustrated and you have to stay the course. Remember your why so you don't get thwarted by everyone who is impacted by the sensitivity and the complexity of this space. What I love about you is that you have so much passion about the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, so much so that you do this as your day job. And then after work, you also have another organization that you co-founded called Our Collective. Can you tell us a little bit more information about what Our Collective is and how people can get connected? Absolutely. Our Collective is intended to be a community-wide resource group in Silicon Valley for Black and Latinx employee resource group um, leaders and participants. The reason why is because many of our companies, when they start their diversity and inclusion strategies, they lean on their employee resource groups. The problem is they do not provide extra funding. They do not give the recognition. They do not have support from their direct managers. And in a way, we're being used as pawns, again, checking the box. What our collective is intended to do, starting with Silicon Valley and hopefully across the U.S. and then globally, is to create an infrastructure where those Black and Latinx communities, the two least represented groups in the technology industry, can come together and learn from each other rather than reinventing the wheel. So if you are in an employee resource group, if you don't have any idea what that is, it's a community of folks just like you who are still trying to figure it out, but we're doing it together, leveraging the knowledge of those who have already completed it. So as a founder of Black Employees at eBay, I know what it's like to be in that space as an ERG lead. I was also a member of the Black Googlers Network. I know what it was like to follow. But what I want now is impact at scale. I need the Black and Latinx community to know I stand with you. I need you to stand with me so that we can get out of this experience what we need because no one is going to do it for us. Yes, and I love that you focus on those two groups of people of color, because if you think about different employee resource groups across different companies, sometimes, you know, we're all split out. So it's like my next people, black people, Asian people, and then whatever other, you know, ethnic group has a employee resource group. But then you have organizations that group everyone together. And I think that's a really great strategy. We actually have that on at Pandora, shameless plug. Um, (laughs) We have a group, a community called Mixtape. So having that ability to have unity amongst the groups to kind of help everyone understand that we have similar struggles. They may look different, but when we approach the situation together, we're able to find solutions that are sustainable across, you know, both groups or or the entire group. Absolutely. I completely agree. And because of that, the KPOR Center now, they've always supported us, but now we are officially a part of the KPOR Center's mission. They are actively working to support our collective so we can execute more effectively. So if you're listening to this podcast and you might be like, yeah, I heard about our collective. They need to get together. I agree. Thank you. Come help me out. I can't do it by myself. It's just like your ERG. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. So fortunately, the K4 Center is working with me. I invite anyone listening to hit me up so we can do this right. And I want to go hard in the paint. Listen, 
This is my shot town coming out. Let's do it together. That's where you get all the things I miss. I need your perspective and the diversity of our experiences. We're not a monolith. Yes. So with that said, where can people find you online? Nice. People can find me on LinkedIn, of course. If you work at LinkedIn, yes. Thank you for your product. It's amazing. Um, Dominique Collins on LinkedIn. Um, unfortunately, I'm not on Twitter as much. I'm an ambivert, so I would like to be super socially engaged, but I have my introverted moments. For Instagram, you can find me at dom.com. That's my personal side. On my professional side, it's dom the inspirer. Um, and I don't have a website yet, though many of my professional women business owners have threatened that <laughs> I need to start my business sooner than later. So to all of you old queens and you phenomenal women, I'm coming. Just give me some time to get my life together. <laughs> you definitely need a website, but your reputation precedes you because you. you are amazing. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for joining us today to talk about your path into diversity and inclusion and what people should look for. What are red flags and what is it that they should be trying to do to actually make change possible within their organizations? Talk to you next episode. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Read My Lipstick podcast. Follow us on Instagram at the Red Lip Collective, on Twitter at the Red Lip Co., or check back for updates on our website at theredlipcollective.com. Talk to you soon. Bye. Red lipstick, red lipstick, red lipstick, red lipstick, red lipstick. All the boys on the kiss from my red